The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check... Hell yeah, Miami. Way to do the damn thing. Ah. Miami steals game two on the road in Denver, which surprises, well, not me, but it appears that it surprises every ESPN commentator that they have. They did it. Uh, Yeah, a little bit of a shocker the way that they did. The Phoenix Suns, they hire a coach, and it's probably not who you thought it would be. Uh, We talk about Caleb Martin's NBA mentor. A.K.A. J. Cole. And we also have an update on Julius Randle's ankle. And some more. Let's get into it, Nick. Play that generic-ass beat that should be Rihanna. So, folks, the Miami Heat continuing to do Miami Heat things. And that's winning games that nobody expected them to win. Here's the quote. The Miami Heat can't keep shooting this way from three, said every fan of every fan base that the Miami Heat slay. They got beat down in game one. We know that. But I said it. I said it after game one. The Miami Heat missed every fucking three. They fell behind in game two by 15. And then you know what they did? They went out and did exactly what they always do. Make adjustments, hit threes, get stingy on defense, steal games on the road. And now the Heat have home court advantage in the NBA Finals. You heard that right. The team, the number eight seed in the East, who were losing to the Bulls in the fourth quarter of a play-in game, they have home court advantage to the Denver Nuggets. That team. Are you confused? The Heat did it the way they did it against the Bucks. They did it the way they did it against the Celtics. They did it the way they did it against the Knicks by hitting their threes at a clip of just I don't know, just a casual 50%. Well, I mean, not exactly 50, 49% actually from three. Well, that's not exactly true either. It's actually 48.6% from three if we have to get specific. But when the struce is loose, baby, Miami doesn't lose. And the Nuggets still got a monster game from Jokic once again. He was literally unstoppable. And when I say that, I'm not being hyperbolic either. Jokic was literally impossible to stop scoring. He went off for 41 points, 11 boards. 
and only four assists. It was the four assist number that was exactly what Miami wanted from Jokic. That was the part that was very telling. The Heat gave up a ton of points to Jokic in the paint. But here's what we're not going to let you do. Uh, we're not going to let Michael Porter Jr. get easy buckets. He was one for six in this game. We're not going to let KCP get easy buckets. He was one for three from three. The Nuggets actually shot 40% from three, and they still lost. They just didn't shoot enough of them for it to even matter because their best offensive play, the play they were somewhat trapped literally into calling and making, was... Very difficult Jokic twos in the paint. And because Jokic was so much in the paint and was so swarmed by Miami defenders, he actually turned the ball over more than he normally does where he had five of them. He was frustrated. He was irritated. He was not getting the calls that he normally does. And even with 41 points, Denver couldn't get it done because Denver had 13 turnovers as a team versus Miami's 11. And that's the story right there. How do you beat Denver? Apparently, you let Jokic cook and you stop him from being a facilitator. You let him settle for shooting difficult twos. You wear him down over the course of the game. You get him a little frustrated. You put a body on him. Jamal Murray couldn't get going. Had less than 20. He had 18. Couldn't get Michael Porter Jr. going. He had five. KCP had six. Gordon had 12. Nobody had 20 or more except for Jokic. Literally the team carried offensively by Joker, and I think that was the plan. That is why Eric Spolstra is the GOAT. That is why people on ESPN are now saying that Miami can win this series. That is how good they are. Michael Malone, just kind of a curious game as well. Just hasn't been in the finals before, obviously, as a head coach. Uh, Christian Braun, first of all, was incredible in the first half. Didn't see the floor again the rest of the game. Why? I would like to know why. I don't know. He played 15 minutes, and almost all of that was in the first half. Why? Someone asked Michael Malone. I don't know. He was a plus eight for the game, and every single Nugget starter, including Jokic, was a negative plus-minus for the full game. Second, here's another curious mistake, non-coaching decision. You're down three, the Nuggets. 11 seconds left to go in the game. And what did Malone do? Chose to play it out instead of calling a timeout and setting up a play call. Very wild decision. The best that they could come up with on the fly was a contested Jamal Murray three that was nowhere close to going in. I know Jamal is the end-of-the-game playmaker, end-of-the-game shooter, but I just cannot imagine that Michael Malone couldn't have come up with a better play call than that coming out of a timeout. I don't know, just like an easier one. Just one that was more effective. Here is the wildest thing to me about that fourth quarter. Well, one, it was the slowest-paced fourth quarter of the entire playoffs. The Heat only had 19 possessions and somehow, someway, ended up with 36 points. How does that happen? Do you know what that rate is? That is a rate of 189.5 points per 100 possessions, which according to statistician John Schumann, 
was the most efficient fourth quarter in any game this year in the NBA. That's ridiculous. Credit to Kevin Love, who, credit to Eric Spolstra, ended up starting this game because Caleb Martin curiously had uh, the sickies, and so they needed to make some sort of substitution uh, to start the game. I'm just guessing that the sickies were just he was gross in game one. Gabe Vincent was really good, really, really good. Bam Adebayo was really good as well. They were all plus 17 or greater for the game. Duncan Robinson, I took my dog for a walk in the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden, Duncan Robinson's getting his own graphic. (laughs) What? He scored 10 points in the fourth quarter at the point that I came back from my walk, and the Nuggets had two points in the fourth quarter. He was supersonic F-16 sonic boom in the fourth quarter. The wildest stat on this wild, wild night Remember everybody said Haywood Highsmith was going to be some sort of, like, key to the Miami Heat coming back into the series? They said he was, like, the greatest thing since the 40-hour work week. He managed, Haywood Highsmith, in all of his greatness, uh, to be a negative 17 in only six minutes. Scored zero points. It's like Friday. How do you fight on your day off? How do you how are you managing a negative 17 in 6 minutes of action? Turns out everybody who thought Haywood Highsmith was going to be the most effective player in the Miami Heat uniform, turns out they were right. Except for the effectiveness was a gigantic negative. Uh what a f- just like in all seriousness, what a super fun game. I'm happy the Heat stole one on the road. I was worried about how badly Denver was going to beat the Miami Heat up, even though I have confidence in them being the roaches that they are. I said it. I said, what's the, re- what's the reason I have confidence in the Miami Heat? I have no basketball reasons. I have none. I mean, they're roaches. They are cockroaches. That's the breakdown. Turns out I was right. I say this as the great greatest compliment ever. I said it. The Miami Heat are cockroaches they cannot be killed if you blew up the city of Miami the Miami heat would be the only thing that survived and probably Ron DeSantis uh and like the Denver Nuggets I am now off to Miami to see the heat play games four not games three uh we will report back after game three I think you will want to adjust your chair I think this is going to be a long long series Coaching carousel is finally slowing down. There's only one team that needs a coach left. It's Toronto. Did anybody think Toronto was going to be the last job standing? I didn't. Now the Phoenix Suns, they just shook the foundations of the NBA by hiring Frank Vogel? Wild. Uh, You might think that this is a peculiar hire. Uh, Matt Ishbia clearly likes headlines. This is about the least splashy headline hire you could have. Like, Frank Vogel was the coach that was the second option after Monty Williams turned down the L.A. Lakers job, if you remember that. So quite literally, 
Frank Vogel is just walking in Monty Williams' shadow. If it's not for Monty Williams, Frank Vogel is maybe not coaching at all. Does make a little bit of sense, though. Frank Vogel's very good at managing egos. He's known for that. He had a lot of experience overseeing the roster with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, ultimately Russell Westbrook, which didn't work out, but he did win a ring in the bubble. He was very successful at figuring out a way, and also like low-key Kyle Kuzma. Like managing Kyle Kuzma's ego could not have been easy either. Uh, there was no Kyle Kuzma league fits strolling down uh, the Staples Center tunnel. All the league fits from Kyle Kuzma and his crazy, wild, like, electric, magneto, like, Dr. Sue shit came when he went to Washington. Uh, what he inherits, Frank Vogel, is a team with, has a good bit of locker room drama. Like, Jay Crowder wanted out. He was on strike until the trade deadline. He got shipped out. DeAndre Ayton is quiet quitting. Um, Chris Paul's body is quiet quitting. And then you add that to Kevin Durant and uh, Devin Booker doing everything that they can to shoulder the burden of this franchise uh, and a team with absolutely zero depth where you got to rely on Landry Shamit hitting eight threes in a fourth quarter in order for your team to stay competitive. I would say, personally, that Frank Vogel has his work cut out for him. Um, first of all, the hallmark of Vogel's teams is defense, and the run-and-gun sons are kind of the opposite of that. Fogel's defense is built around a rim protector. When, you know, the Lakers, they had JaVale McGee. They had uh, backup Dwight Howard to support Anthony Davis. With the Pacers, he built around Roy Hibbert and, um, shockingly, Andrew Bynum. In Phoenix, he's got, uh, again, a non-rim protecting DeAndre Ayton, who probably, maybe, gets shipped out. Jacques Landell, who I don't know what you're getting from him. And... Bismack Biombo. It's going to be a hard, hard road to build a Vogel-style defense without a big man in the middle protecting the rim. Uh, second, it's uh, we got a point guard problem in Phoenix. Chris Paul not only had his annual injury during the playoffs, but by the end of the season, he looked like his legs were pretty much gone anyway. He averaged 12, 5, and 7 in the playoffs, which was his season average of 14, 4, and 9, by far the least productive numbers of his entire 17-year career. Literally, even in his rookie year, Chris Paul averaged 16, 5, and 8. And that was his worst statistical season until this past season. With his injury problems, by the way, he missed 23 regular season games and the last four playoff games, plus his declining production. The Suns need help at the point guard spot, and they need it fast. Plus, Vogel described his offensive philosophy as intelligent movement through randomness. He said this in his final season with the Lakers, We want to give our playmakers as much space as we can just emphasizing the movements off those cuts, and then the reshapes out of those is something that we're trying to do with all of our guys. Chris Paul, like three, four years ago, would have been really a great fit for Frank Vogel. CP3, maybe even two years ago, would have been fine. But this version of Chris Paul, 
He's not fast enough anymore. He's not cutting anymore. That means taller guards who he used to be able to negate with the speed are now absolutely cooking Chris Paul. His defensive rating this year was 112.3. Again, the worst of his career. His defensive rating ballooned to an obscene 117.3 in the playoffs this year. Gross. Here's the thing. Let's be honest. Chris Paul's not a starting point guard anymore. And Frank Vogel knows it. Matt Ishbia probably knows it. James Jones knows it. Which means not only are the Suns in the market for a rim protector, a.k.a. potentially Miles Turner, but also they need a point guard as well. The Suns are going to be a playoff team as long as they're healthy. But with Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker all with injury issues, even Devin Booker last year missed 19 games, this is a very thin team that's not going to survive even a paper cut. The best thing the Suns did was not just hiring Vogel. It was making sure Kevin Young, the lead assistant who was the finalist for the head coaching job, stayed put. All they needed to do to accomplish that goal was make him the highest paid assistant coach in the NBA. $2 million per year. I like the Suns. I like Devin Booker. I like Kevin Durant. I also like DeAndre Ayton. But I don't really like Frank Vogel teams at all. Like, they're not very fun to watch. I hated watching the Lakers when Frank Vogel coached them. Like, it's a lot of defense and not a lot of offense. Hopefully, he will not uglify the Suns too much next season. Moving on, let's talk a little bit about Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin, two-way player, coming out party in the playoffs. Averaged 10-5-2 this season for the Heat, but put on the afterburners in the playoffs. Averaged 14-6-2, shooting 44% from three. Had some huge games that put him on the map. A bunch of people are now excited about Caleb Martin. But the one thing that a lot of people don't know is how Caleb Martin got into the league and that he owes his career to J. Cole. Because Jeff Van Gundy will not stop talking about it. We now know that Caleb Martin was an undrafted free agent. Every game... I swear to God, Jeff Van Gundy talks about all of the undrafted free agents that Miami picked up. Take a drink every time you hear heat culture. Take a drink every time you hear heat role players stepping up. Take a drink every time you hear the word undrafted. Anyway, back to Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin played two years for the Hornets. Uh, and he was at this point getting the vibe that they were out on him as a player. So he went back to North Carolina with his twin brother, Cody, to train, playing some North Carolina runs. Uh, And if you remember, both twins went to NC State, so North Carolina was sort of back in their backyard. J. Cole, who's also from North Carolina, played professional basketball in Africa for Rwanda, a little-known fact, had followed both of the Martins' careers at NC State and was also in the run playing as well. But apparently Caleb was so impressive and cooking pretty much everyone on site that J. Cole called up his friend and Miami assistant, Ron Butler, and said, you need to give Caleb Martin a shot. He's really, really good. You need to, you're an idiot if you don't give him a look. He's easily one of the best players on the floor on these runs, so you need to at least invite him to camp. 
What's the leech? That's what you guys do. That's all you guys do is pick up undrafted free agents. So you might as well look at Caleb Martin. Martin goes into camp, impresses the fuck out of Eric Spolstra, and he earns himself a two-way contract. Halfway through his first season with the Heat, he was in the rotation, helped them becoming the number one seed in the East, and one three away, one Jimmy Butler three away from the finals. And without J. Cole, I don't even know if, if Caleb Martin is in the league right now. He's definitely not on the Heat. And Cron Butler pretty much said that. When asked about J. Cole, Cron Butler said, there are certain people that when they call you about particular people, the messages and the favor is a little louder than others. It was just one of those things where I was like, damn, he actually called me about this kid? And he was like, yo, Martin needs that opportunity. I love this story. I love this story because J. Cole had nothing to gain. He had no reason to make that call other than the fact that he saw a player who deserved an opportunity and a situation where he could help. He did it because Caleb Martin needed a break, and if given the break, Caleb Martin was going to run with it, and he did, all the way to the NBA Finals. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Friday with an all-new episode. Check out the feed for past episodes and mini-episodes. And follow the Heat Check as the 2022-2023 season comes to a close. Do not forget to download, subscribe, and please tell your friends. And follow us on social at this Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. We'll see you next time, my friends.